Welcome to the New Hood Peace Partners, where we discuss community-based violence prevention with folks working for peace in black and brown communities. I'm your host, Dr. Talib Hudson, and I'm the founder of The New Hood, a community-based think tank. I hope you find these conversations to be informative, inspirational, and interesting. Now, let's get into it. Well, welcome, 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 welcome to the show. Thank all of you for for tuning in. I am here with my brother, Beloved, and I'm I'm just so happy to be here with Beloved. Uh, He and I go back a few years now, uh, several years now, doing work in the community in Harlem, uh, doing violence prevention work. So it's only right, as the kids say, for, for me to have him as a guest on the show. So beloved, welcome, welcome to the show. And uh, maybe you can just start us off a little bit about telling us a little bit about the work that you do in the community and and the work that you're doing within the community-based violence prevention field. So one, I just want to be grateful that you even invited me and got me on here to be able to speak about this. It's a real segment that, that that's dead smack in our community. So one of the things that I do is called mediation. I'm somebody you call whenever there's a violent act or, or, or somebody being harmed or they end up in the hospital. My job is to be able to talk them down from retaliations, to get them to find a better solution, a better way to resolve the situation. The other part to us is we're a community development corporation, Liberal Redemption. The blessed part is how to develop people. And a lot of times we think and assume that we got it together so we can move accurate together. But what really be happening is that some of us is not there yet. And what happens is we don't understand trauma. We don't understand mental health. We don't understand the the, the way that these things varies. So with Living Redemption Community Development, we're given the opportunity to be in the community, to be out there and bring things like a family enrichment center. A lot of times people want to work with the kids without supporting the mother and father or the guardian of the um, youth. And without them being able to be able to have a support or a foundation, a lot of things don't go well, right? So this is where you get some of the the stabbings, you get some of the shootings, and you get some of the violence, right? Because before, it was a thing of it's the gangs, the crews that's um, bringing forth and producing violence. But now, this day and time, you got the honor roll students shooting up schools. You got the honor roll students killing somebody. You got the honor roll students not caring to go forward in life and being positive because it seems like the negative is overpopulating them and it's making them be traumatized, right? So here it is, people sit down and they not really understanding the fact that there's more to a person than what we see. It's very important that you make places for them to be able to receive help so that they can start the healing process. So one of the things that was given to us is that we got an FFT, that's a family therapy thing. And it works good because you wouldn't believe the stuff that some people's holding inside that's making them not be able to prosper, that's making them not be able to move forward, that got them stuck and, and un- unstable, you know? So when you talk about working in the community and being in the community, it's two things that's happening. 
One thing is I'm showing what health look like when it's pure, mm. when there's nothing being tampered, there's no hidden agenda behind it. I'm also, when I'm in the community, I'm an example. I'm showing them what it looked like when you do receive the support, when you do receive the help, when you do got a foundation and support, when you do go see a therapist and things like that, because a lot of this stuff got to be modeled, right? We got to model it in front of people. We learn from what we see a lot of times, even with the youth, even with the adults. So one of the things that we're doing is that not only we're helping, but we helping to help help, right? So the dope part that I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you that's that's awesome is to be able to be in this number and being able to be used and being able to reach and touch people in the way that we doing. We did the pantry. We did a hundred and and ten thousand family members with the youth serving them through the pandemic. So with that, it let me know that there's things that youth can do. And there's things that elders could do. But what we got to do as scientists, we got to find the things that's universal, where it's not just only for the young, it's not just for only for the elders, so we can get the community back with the unity. You get what I'm saying? So one of the things that- I was going to say, let me ask you, because you mentioned, at first you mentioned, you know, being someone who can address conflicts that are going on in, in real time. But then you also talked about FFT, which I think is functional family therapy, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Yes. And you talked about the pantry and somebody might say, well, beloved, you know, how does they might say, I know how addressing conflicts in real time is violence prevention. But how is functional family therapy or how is the food pantry or how is therapy or how is bringing unity in the community? How is that also dealing with? violence prevention so the way that that is helping is that a lot of time some of us is not able to feed our family so we choose to be person that go robbing still a lot of times there's things that we're dealing with that we don't have the answer to so this is where we need a therapist at not mm-hmm. understanding that i may be in a domestic violence just because it's not boyfriend girlfriend husband and wife i'm still in it because brothers fathers sisters mothers all this could really uh be domestic violence when not having the um, proper way of teaching or, or dealing with people is not in the circle. Some of us is used to getting beat and, uh, and assaulted by loved ones. The other part that make it helpful through the pantry part is being able to have people understand that there's a resource mm. that they could come and receive and not have to be humiliated, not have to lose their life over it, and then at the same time, not have to give up. Because a lot of times we give up when a lot of things is not there for us. And what we end up doing is we, of course, suicide, right? We'll we'll kill ourselves. We'll we'll take a gun and blow our own brains out. Or we'll do something in the manner of suicide where now we want somebody to do it, but not me. I don't want to kill myself. I want somebody else to kill me, but I want to die. Because life is so hard, it's so stressful, there's no blessings in it for me. And at the same time, it seems like everything is a number against me, not with me. Mm. So mm-hmm. when you're talking about um, the therapy part is um, real because not only you get a chance to have somebody to speak to and, and, and pour out and throw up on um, as far as what you're going through, but you also get a chance to help them see where they're at mentally. 
Because with these programs, we give them a chance to meet themselves for the first time. Some people don't even know who they really are sometimes. You know what I'm saying? That's really deep. In today's world, there's this terminology called community violence intervention. And back when, when you and I were, you know, rolling together, you know, that I don't think that was a term that was out in the world like that. But now, you know, the federal government, the, the Department of Justice has that as a actual portfolio within the Department of Justice, community violence intervention and prevention. And now there's a grant funding coming out from that. It's it's become a, a, a huge field at this point that I think is supposed to encompass the 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 breadth and the scope of community-based work, including reentry and 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 direct violence intervention and prevention and hospital-based work and all of that. So I'm wondering, how do you see your work? How do you see the work that you do with Living Redemption? Shout out to Living Redemption. Shout out to Reverend Maurice Winley. How do you see the work that, that you're doing fitting within the overall field of community work and community violence prevention? One of the things that Rev always tell us is to have grace and mercy, man. To not believe that we got to do all things at one time. Everything should happen now. Everything should have a relationship. Being that we have relationships and we build relationships with people within the community, we work from that. Because a relationship should be slow-cooked. It should never be rushed. It never should be a fast process. So using our relationship platform, we get the opportunity to hear the problems. We get a chance to bring people within our establishment. We bring them up to our third floor. We have them sit down. We ask questions. We don't assume we know anything because not everybody got the same issues or the same problems. We also noticed that we needed a facility where we could be 24-7 because not everybody hungry and hurting at the same time. So one of the ways that worked for us is being able to do these different type of evaluations, being able to ask questions, being able to receive the information. Because, you know, we always say knowledge is good, but wisdom is better, right? Mm. And the reason why we say knowledge is good is because knowledge means that we know. That's it. We just know. Wisdom means we know what to do with what we know. So now we're able to apply ourselves in a different way. So now we got programs like FFT. We got programs like FEC. We got programs like Living Redemption Youth Opportunity Hub. We got programs fellowship movement we got next step the arches so what we did was a lot of the systems that wasn't working for us we had to work ourselves within the systems so that we could work it from inside the system and work our way out why because even the systems didn't have an understanding of how important the relationship is and how important the human life was when we're talking about probation we're talking about parole when we're talking about the um, court system when we're talking about the offices. We're talking about so many different systems, even ACS. These systems was kind of like a thing where people was worried about and they were scared of it. So now that we're able to teach the community on how to look at these things and how to deal with these things, it's kind of helping change the mindset. Because mm-hmm. the mindset was affected long time before we started, before it was even programs like this. So to be able to be a program that can go out there and dissect what the problem is and then bring forth the solution. Like we got one part, like now we work with ages 10 to 24 and we're teaching work experience. Mm. Your child get to come and work, right? Some nationalities, they are uh, 
coaches get the opportunity to have their kids work with them. You go to some of these restaurants, you're able to go in there and, and a young kid like nine or 11 years old is typing up your food, giving you your receipt and letting you know that I know the work. I'm growing up with it. So one of the things that wasn't working for us, I noticed is that we so divided in the community that we wasn't able to have unity because everything dealt with us was working, right? So we're going to do the hours. You work eight hours, right? Then your kids go to school for eight hours. Then you are to go home and get to your kids around seven or six o'clock. But then at the same time, you got to also cook, feed them, put them to bed. So in that reality, we understood that a lot of kids are not learning nothing after school. Mm. So now we have to become almost like an after-school program. We had to have the hours of being open at the times that mommy and daddy will probably be at work or guardian to be at work or be doing something else that's not helping the youth. So one of the things that I always tell everybody, if there was a table and it had legs, you'll want to chop the legs from the table off so that you could be able to penetrate what it is that you're really um, dishing out. So what we dished out was giving the youth opportunity to get their education, their GED, giving them opportunity to become people that got license to be security, to do construction, giving them an opportunity to be able to go out in the community, do work out in the community as far as plants, painting, doing different type of events. Because being able to go out and have the youth uh, work from a, a point of you're not broken, you're not damaged goods, but to be able to show help through them was helping the community because a lot of times we believe we can't do nothing for each other because we're not the resource. We don't have the resource. We don't have money. So being able to have money, like, you know, I get enough money to be able to take care of me and my family. I don't get enough money to be able to take care of other kids, other families. So that was one of the big things that we also put out there in these um, different budgets, in these um, different um, campaigns for life, because I don't mind taking care of somebody else's child, but mm -hmm. I would love to know financially I can, I'm able to do it, right? Because I wouldn't want my kid to starve because I'm feeding somebody else's kid. You get what I'm saying? Right, so right. being able to have programs where now they able to help the family. So just imagine a son coming home and they hungry, but in their head, they don't believe they got food in the house. Mm -hmm. But they get a call from their mentor like, yo, man, you know, um, I'm your mentor, beloved, and um, I was just calling to check in with you. I want to know, did that food get to your house? Mm -hmm. And they go, what food? And I go, oh, your mother didn't tell you. So, um, Go to your mother and talk to your mother, and your mother will let you know the food that was sent. And now they get to the house and they took mom. Man, we had a whole feast. Uh, the food that you gave us, which was boxes of love, that thing fed six family members. That lasts us for four or five days. You get what I'm saying? So now Man. you're giving back, but you're giving them backbone. You're giving them the, the, the spirit to be able to know, yo, I can do what it is I need to do to better um, our situation. But I got to know where these things at. So we also make maps to give to them so that they can be able to go in the area where they live at and receive the help that they need. It sounds like you had mentioned earlier relationships. And, and it sounds like partly what I'm hearing you talking about is 
building that relationship, right? You talked about that sometimes within the family structure, for whatever reason, uh, there, there may be some relationships that are not as strong as maybe they, they could or should be. But it sounds like what you're doing is also really building relationships with folk who are who might be looking for something. Is that am I am I putting words in your mouth? Or is that is that what you're saying? That's exactly what we're doing because Bishop, um, I'm with the church Soul Saving Station. Uh, we was in a meeting one time and um, he broke down that it was a young guy that was hungry and he had hunger pain. And he said the, the young guy sat in front of him. And when this young guy sat in front of him, um, he was looking for the bishop to talk about God. And Bishop said, even if I did talk about God or Jesus to this young man, he's not going to hear me because it's hunger pain. So he said what he did first was he fed the young man first. And when the young man uh, received the food and, and started getting all the nutrient and, and, and getting the things to go to his stomach, he then opened up and started talking about all pain. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's very important um, to slow cook a relationship because there's so many minerals and matters that's in it that you want to be able to, you know, work. You want to be able to do this genuinely. You want to be able to do this right. You don't want to have to cut 10 wood 10 times when you can cut 10 wood at one time and get it right. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, yeah. So then where do you see this going? Because, you know, you were not, I remember when you was um, with Snug back in the day when I was with Sister Aisha with Street Corner Resources. And I remember you, you know, responding to shootings at the hospital and, and, and being out on the block and, and talking to people and, and 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 being a superhero, really. I mean, in, in my eyes, and now you're with Living Redemption and talking about doing things that are even on a broader level, right? Doing all those things but from before, but now adding in the FFT and the food pantry and building these relationships and meeting the real material needs of people is what it sounds like. So then I'm wondering, where do you see this work going? And when I mean by this work, this this community violence prevention, this community-based work, you know, you've seen it grow over the past decade or so. Where do you think we still need to go um, in, terms of, in terms of the work? What do you see as the future? So one of the things I always tell my team is that the world don't know us yet, and the world is our community. So until it echoes all over the world, then we'll be done, right? One of the reasons I say that is that um, people hurt people. So there's pain all over the world. And I think a lot of times we get it misfruited when we think that your community is the block that you live in. Mm. Well, as long as there's people all over the world, you are people that's of the world. So you are a community. So one of the ways that I see this thing going and, and reaching to be a little bit more than what it is is because now it's becoming a way of life. Right, because if I didn't follow this model and, and, and stay to it, I would be back in jail or I would be back in the streets. But being that there was so much about me I didn't know, I had to take a FFC. I had to do a place where they could family enrich my peoples. I had to go to um snub to be able to understand that violence is a disease, right? Because what happens is there's a thing of people teaching you and telling you things, and then there's a thing that we got called experience. Mm. And sometimes they believe experience is the best teaching. And I say, no, not for everybody, right? The reason why we say not for everybody is because not everybody get a chance to live after the mistake. 
One of the biggest kind of with the youth, we was learning that some of them is walking their friends to their last hours. And they didn't know that. They didn't get the understanding of that at first. And the way that we break it down to them is that who was a 16 or 17-year-old going to hang with? And they was like, they're going to hang with other 16 and 17. And I said that most of the time, one of y'all have a violent situation and it experiences death is among y'all. It's not among us and you know what I'm saying? So they was like, yeah, you're right. And I was like, the sad part is nobody gave you a solution. Nobody gave you an answer that you can live, right? A lady said this the other day. She said, some people live to die. I said, mm. hmm. But she said, I live to live. I'm going to say it again. She said, some people live to die, but me, being with God, I live to live. And a lot of youth don't understand that language because so many people talk so bad to them, talk down to them, tell them how they're the worst generation. They generation is the worst. They just going to die. Okay, they heard that enough. Mm. That's enough. Mm. Everybody want to talk about the problem. Okay, we get it. You can't continue to talk about the worst and they learn all this other stuff and all this other stuff is not the stuff that was out here before. So you can't tell me that these kids can't learn, right? Because this TikTok thing that they on, they on it every day. So I'm even on the TikTok with them. Why? Because the simple fact is TikTok is telling them, yo, you don't have to have a long tension spin. All we need is a few seconds to show you something and 9 out of 10, 20 or 30 of y'all going to get it and y'all going to go ahead and do your own thing. So the same thing, like I said earlier, we got to learn to pick things that is universal. Music is universal. Basketball is universal. And when I say universal, I'm talking about youth being able to be with elders. Street politics, that's a series I was working on. That is universal. We had the elders act out what the youth be looking like to them, and we had the youth act out what the elders look like to them. When you see them, what's your vision of an elder? Oh, they complain, they this, they that. And what makes me laugh is that community not talking as we used to. We mm. too much on our phones. So one of the things that we made them start using their phones to be able to Google stuff. We gave them a Google training so that they could be able to go, yo, instead of just talking about problems or situations, let's Google some of the situations and see what the solution is. How do we bring the rate down? Mm. And the way that they start to understand that is, like I said, example, lead by example. Example is to say what worked, but show that it worked by letting it be what you use mm. to deliver the message that it worked, right? Mm. I've been shot up. I was put in a wheelchair. I used to be called bad news. I went from being bad news to being beloved. I went from snug to living redemption. So I'm showing the transformation of what a man child is. Well, right? we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that because because that's like, I said earlier, you're like a superhero. Every superhero has an origin story, right? I mean, every villain has an origin story too, right? And just like in the comics, sometimes villains become heroes and heroes become villains, right? So, and then back yeah. and forth again. So, like, what, what what's your superhero origin story? How did you get, who was bad news and who was beloved? And, and how did you get here? So, when I was young, um, one of my best friends, man, one of my brothers, I uh, was joking. And um, he called me bad news. And um, in the process, I was developing myself in a community where I felt like the rules of what my mother and father taught me wasn't fitable for the streets. Um, the streets is its own jungle, and it got its own rules and regulations. And I had to adapt to it. And the way that I adapt to it 
it meant I have to love less to be loveless, right? So I became a little bit cold. I became a little bit wicked. And it was enough recipe in there for that so I could be bad news. And um, when I became bad news, this is when I started picking up guns and uh, I'm in shootouts and, and I'm getting shot at and different things like that. But what made it real for me was when I had a brother and my brother um, used to be called Little Bad News. And uh, one day we ended up um, St. Nick and uh, we just moved in there in 1989. And a young guy come to me and asked me, um, where you from? And I was like, we from 40th, but we just moved there. So he was like, where, where you say you from? I said, we from 40th, we just moved there. So he walked away and he came back with some other guys. And he was like, yo, tell me where you, where you said you're from. I said, I'm from 40th. Then they just started jumping us. They started whooping me and my brothers out. Me, my baby brother, my my brother Dawn, they just whooping us, beating us with the skateboard, stomping us out and everything. And when we got inside the um area, I ended up telling them that we got away from the situation. I was like, yo, Dawn, um, I got to learn the streets, okay? He's like, well, I was like, yeah, I got to learn the streets. Because the street rules ain't the same like what mommy teaching. So the street rules and my mother house is different from the street rules out in the street because out there in the street, they respect violence. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, my mother house, we respect her. You get the difference? So is, I got I to gotta be fighting every day. Um, I got to be carrying a gun every day. I got to be, I got to be ready for war almost as if I'm in the Vietnam War. Right. So you so you felt like cuz I want to I want to make sure that 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 people listening hear this because a lot of times when we talk about violence especially now that we've seen violence gun violence you know spiked with the 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 covid epidemic in in 2020 concurrently and a lot of times when people are talking about shootings and violence and that kind of thing that as if that the that that the people who are engaged in this that are engaged in those acts are themselves incorrigible, bad seated, just rotten, no good human beings. But what I'm hearing from you, and, and again, this is, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so correct me. It's what I'm hearing you're saying is you found yourself in a situation in which you felt like you had to be bad news in order to survive. Yeah, because, you know, um, I just was speaking to somebody about this, and this is real. And I'm glad you brought me back because I don't want people to believe that most of these people that is in the streets or they being violent or, or they became violent, that it had to do anything with movies and music. Sometimes you could be pushed to a limit and that alone makes you have to revert to a way that you don't want to be. Like people are like, oh, you know, you used to listen to rap music. no. I was doing things before some of these rappers even came out. Mm. I was doing this before some of the movies was even played. Because what happens is pain. Pain will make you work in a way that most people um, won't, right? Some people want you to do something, but out of pain and fear, you do things a little bit different and quicker. Right? I was explaining to my brother, um, when you're running, you're nervous. The way that you jump and run when you're nervous, you can't do it on a regular. Because it's a certain state of mind you got to be in to make certain things happen. And that's when you almost don't care about everything else. You just care about the moment. So 
If I'm not influenced by music and I'm not influenced by the movies, then what am I being influenced by? I'm being influenced by the violence that's being put upon me. Mm. I got people pistol whipping me in my head for whatever I got. I got people cutting me and, and, and swinging razor blades at me for my jacket. I got dudes um, stabbing and, 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 and poking me for my, my sneakers. So now I know that I'm not able to be protected at all times. I don't got money like these famous people. My man, my family not famous enough to even keep security around. I got to become my own security. And the way that I become my own security is by realizing that there's two things that's different. There's difference between a fight and a war. Mm. A fight got rules. War don't. And when you understand those two, then you start understanding this. So I give you something that God said to me. He sat me down on a bench and he was like, yo, I know I did something to you. I know you could kill me at any time. I see the guns that you got. He said, but I want to tell you something. You and your friends are different. And I was like, what makes me different? He said, your friends are still young kids, but you a gangster. And I'm being told this at the age of 15. You mm -hmm. a gangster. He said, when them guys came to your door, and shot your door up, that lets me know what status you was. These other guys of y'all is able to still get slapped and punched in the face. He said, the other thing I want you to understand is, do you have any understanding on how you want to win? He said, do you want to win the fight or the war? I was like, I want to win. He was like, I understand the question. Do you want to win the fight or the war? He said, because you win in the fights, but every time you win, somebody's shooting at you and making you run, correct? He said, now, the war, the way you got to win the war is you got to use the same tools the enemy use. And I didn't get it at first. He was like, they not just using their hands. They're using other tools to be able to get you submit or get you to bow down to whatever it is they saying it is it's going to be. So that's how I end up getting my first gun. Because he was like, you need a gun. Fighting is good, but not everybody out here is going to fight you every time there's a uh, situation. Some people got bullets for you, and they got bullets for you morning, noon, and night. So when I got that information and that drink registered, a dude tried to kill my brother when he was 10, chasing him in the hallway because of something he had with me. And that let me know that not only... I need to have the gun, but two, I need to be able to think with a gun, and I got to be able to know how to use my sword whenever I swing it, mm. and it's not for show and tell, it's not to be played with, so this is where I, 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 I'm, I'm going back into security, and I'm teaching, like, there's other reasons why your son being influenced, and it's not because of a video and, and, and a movie, some of it is because of personal experience. Is your son being bullied? Is he being cyberbullied? Is he being threatened? Is he is he being touched? Because some of these guys was jumping us and punching us and kicking us. And it's like, mom, what, what do I say? Enough is enough. I told the teacher. I told the principal. I told the dean. And guess what? They fear the same kid I fear. Mm. But they fear the father because he's a big-time drug dealer. I'm supposed to just let this dude do whatever he wants to me because his father got money from the streets and he against them? No. So I end up becoming bad news. And when I became bad news, everybody understood it. It was going to be a lot of bad and there's going to be some news about it. And the news was going to be 
You're not going to do anything to me and mine and not think you're not going to get touched. Mm. You know, we've known each other for over over 10 years now. Wow. Yeah, well over 10 years at this point. And some of that, I didn't, I didn't even know. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I thank you for sharing that. You know, now we're sharing this with the world, but that's deep. You know, that that's deep. And the reason why I'm in the moment, like I'm sitting with it, I'm sitting with what you're saying because, you know, even though as, as you know, someone who, you know, I consider myself to be someone in the field, but it's still kind of like, it's crazy to think of the situation, the situations that our young people find themselves in. Like one of the reasons why I got involved in the work was because of hearing from young people talking about their fears of survival, right? Their fears of actual physical harm. And hearing you talk about how someone sat you down at the age of 15, whereas certain kids who have certain privileges, right? And, and, and you know, and certain resources, as 15, someone is sitting them down and teaching them about finance, right? And someone teaching you about firearms. And so then as you get older, and yet, and now you are in this trying to survive in this world. I'm sorry, I, my mind is just, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just sitting with it because we always talk about choices and everyone has choices, but maybe sometimes people don't have the choices that we think they had. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just really sitting with that. So, like, how did you then be able to move from being bad news to then becoming beloved? When I ended up in jail, I ended up in jail around the age of seventeen, and what hurt me was. I was living a life that I was perpetuating out there to be a good life, and it didn't come with the blessings that I thought it would come with. Everything mm -hmm. I was fighting for, I didn't get. I didn't get the respect. I got people to fear me, to hate me. When I went to prison, I was hurt because everything I was fighting to be away from, I was with. I was with people that was just the opposite to me. And uh, what hurt me was most of us that's in here, we were thinking alike. And the things that we was doing, most of the people that we was doing it for or what wouldn't even do it. I got guys right now that's like in their 50s and their 40s now picking up a gun, now fighting. And when we was young and I was young, I was stuck because I'm believing this is the this is the rules. This is how the streets work because you got to shoot people. You got to beat people up. You got to murder something, you gotta sell drugs, you got like right? But um I ended up in jail, dark became so bright and, and silence was so loud and I became a number. I ain't have a name no more. I was treated like a savage. We always talk about being a real nigga. I was a real nigga in prison because I had no respect and I had no rights. I was actually uh, a, a divine nigga, right? And what hurt me was uh, when I spoke to my brother on the phone, you would think all the work that I put in the streets and how many family members I made sure that kids got back home to them and how many people I protected that my brother would have protection on my bed, and he didn't. My brother had to end up protecting people. He picked up off where I left off at. And um, it was real. Because while I was in there, dudes were still robbing, people still selling drugs, still doing what they want. But what was hit me was, that's not what I want. That's not what I need. That wasn't who I am, right? 
And sometimes when you go to jail and you're dealing with that livelihood of being a criminal and, and, and being a savage, you um start believing in this stuff, right? You start believing like you baptized to the streets and all that, right? You start believing that, you know, hurt people is a divine thing. It's a blessing to do it. But it's different when you're in there and you're going from a young boy to a man and ain't none of that stuff needed. It's not nothing you're going to be able to thrive off. Like, I can't file taxes with the time I did in prison. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I can't have a family with being in prison. I couldn't, I couldn't be a person while I was in prison. So I had to start prepping myself and feeding myself Christ. Mm -hmm. Right. So now I'm, I'm 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 getting biblical. I'm 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 learning. I'm teaching myself. Right. But I wasn't able to fully teach myself because of the simple fact that I couldn't read, like literate. Right. I was not able to read properly, and it was really it was lonely. It was it was it was lonely because not everybody think like bad news. Not everybody know bad news. So. Now I'm in a whole different community, right? A prison community where the Bloods, the Crips, the Yetas, and, and, and any other crew and game good name running the jail, right? Hard to get on the phone because if you do, I might get stabbed or cut up. Um, I want to go home, but I can't go home because I committed a crime and I'm owning up to it. So I cop out. I get a three to six and a half years. While I'm in there, I meet people that's telling me about Christ and they telling me about God and I'm looking at them like, I don't want to know none of them while I'm in here because some of the fact is I got to be a savage. I got to fight. I got to be ready to stab. I got to be ready to cut somebody. I got to be ready to kill. I can't be Dedrick who I really supposed to be, who my mother named me to be. I got to be bad news. I got to be a real nigga. I got to be a substance that's almost second to the devil. I can't be with God right now. God is not going to be able to help me in this time. And um, later on, I start realizing I need to change my name. My name was a big problem. There's no way any good could come out of a person named Bad News. Mm. Right? Not with that name. That name doesn't define good. It doesn't define greatness or grace and mercy. So I RIP the name bad news and I made my name into Beloved. And I picked the name Beloved because the simple fact is to be. I always thought about want to be something, right? And the second part is love. I want to be loved. But I want the genuine love. I want the love that the word Beloved means. The word Beloved means a sincerely loved person. And I always kept thinking in my head, what, what love is so great that it doesn't come with conditions? And this is where I started learning about Jesus, start learning about God. But as I'm learning, I'm also using and trying to step out on the bloods, on the crypts, on the yetas, on the Muslims, on everything that's in the prison. I'm trying it out on the COs and everything. And what I realized was most people are looking for change. Most people do want better. But the problem is, it's not too many people that can bring or even deliver that for them. So there's certain people, and I give you this, and this is really dealing with Jesus, right? He had a whole world where he could have picked the whole world to work with, but he only chose 12. He chose 12 disciples. 
And in the process of choosing those 12 disciples, he gave many different lessons and teachers and lectures to these guys. And what made it funny for me, I used the same two because I said, I want to know more about Jesus than I know about anything else. Because it seemed like he did with people like me. He worked with people like me. He could work with a bad news. He could turn bad news into a beloved. Mm. But it's just going to take me understanding that my way didn't work. And what I realized, I couldn't manage my own life. So when I realized that, I knew I was looking for something like a living redemption. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because now I'm looking in the manner of how I'm going to help people when I don't know how to help me. So I work with this young boy, and the young boy is me. And in the process of working with me, it was many things that I needed to understand and know. I didn't know I could love a person unconditionally. I didn't know I could be a person of love and be independent. I didn't know my love don't get measured. It can't be defined in any other way except through me. And that the big for me. So now, here it is, I start loving a person. That person was me. Mm. And when I started loving myself, I started writing letters to my brother different. I started teaching different. I started walking different, being different. I didn't forget how to fight. I didn't forget how to protect. So I even kept that a part of me. Because what I realized is that sometimes you could be doing things for the wrong things, and that's what make it wrong. But if you're doing the right things for the right things, now you can make it good. So now I'm starting to learn that I'm here to protect the elders, I'm here to protect the youth. But the first youth I had to protect was me because I was dying on the inside. My brain was being taken advantage of. I was fighting that spiritual warfare, but I was fighting it alone with no knowledge and no wisdom. All I had was me. And sometimes me is not enough, right? Mm -hmm. So when I came to that understanding that um, I need the RIP bad news and pick up Beloved, that's when I started getting the opportunity to be able to reach a sister like Sister Aisha and being able to be a part of Street Corner Resources. Because now she's showing me how to talk for the people, but in a loud and a most blessed way, right? Because a lot of times we know how to talk for ourselves, but we don't know how to talk for the group. And a lot of times in the group, they want the same thing that you want for yourself. I want to be able to take care of my family. I want to have money. I want to be respected. I want to love. But that's 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 the most I want to kick. That's that's the most people want. So when I came to that understanding, I got a chance to get out. I was with Sister Aisha. I got a chance to start working with her. And then I ended with Snug. And, and when I ended up with Snug, it's because Sister Aisha told me to go work for them. And I ended up working for them. And from that moment, I met Reverend Mo. And Reverend Mo was telling me about God's stuff and, and preaching to me about God's stuff to the point my, my spirit was getting fed and what was empty wasn't empty no more. So now I was telling him, like, yo, if you get any work that's dealing with God, I'll drop every other job I'm doing to do God's work. I don't care what it is. He ended up with living redemption and he ended up having next step in arches, but he used all those entities to be able to keep it on a God foundation. That's why I always tell everybody, God first and then us, because the blessing was, I'm working with the young me being me now. I'm beloved mm. working with the little bad news. The little bad news, the little bad news, the little bad news. There's a bad news everywhere in every community. And all they need to be is identified. They need to be protected. They need to be helped. They need to be loved. They need to be nurtured. 
They need to be enlightened. They need to see that there's more to them than just what everybody trying to make them to be. And they need to believe that one mistake doesn't determine their whole life. They need to know that the, the, the elders once was them. Mm. And now they got it together somewhere in their life to be able to be an elder. Some of our youth is not making it past 13 and 12. No so this is where the reality kicking in. So Rav gave me the opportunity to tell him a situation. And when I told him the situation, he said, do you want him to have to deal with that? No. There was a 14-year-old kid. He got shot in the face. He tells me to call his mother while we're in the hospital. I calls his mother. Within that 25 seconds, his mother picked the phone up, but he expired. So mm. instead of telling the mother her son got shot, I had to tell her her son just died. So Rev said what the problem could be is we're not getting enough time with these youth. And what he showed me with Arches and Next Step was there is a way that we can work with the youth and we just got to use the time to make that living room effect, that be able to get them to meet themselves for the first time, break a hot meal with them, eat with them, talk with them, chill with them, live with them. Yo, when that happened, that's when I fully understood, like, there's no need for bad news. There's definitely a need for a beloved. Everybody should be a beloved, and everybody should understand what it is to be sincerely loved. And this is what me and my team and, and, and you, we, we echo love. For love, we'll do all things and everything for. When mm -hmm. we like a person, we're only going to do the half. We're going to do a percentage. When you love, you're going to give your all. You're going to put your all into it. So as much as we love Christ, they said we should love the way Christ loved the church. So at the end of the day, our thing and my thing was to just really be able to implement what it is to be a human being that's saved by grace and mercy. That is so beautiful, my brother. And I hope people are getting what you are giving. Because one of the things I'm thinking about and I'm sitting with right now, as you're telling about how you went from bad news to beloved and, and that whole process and how now as beloved, you first learned to love yourself and you're working with other people, but the first person you had to work with was yourself. That ties back into how our conversation started. When you were telling me about the food pantry and the FFT and the therapy, and I'm saying... Well, how does that work in violence prevention, right? Because people know about violence interrupters and someone jumping out in front of a gun. That's becoming a thing that people know about, but it's hard for people to kind of, it's harder to make that other connection about how those other aspects can be involved in in, in, in violence reduction as well. And and you just kind of used your own story as an, as, as an example, right? About how you have you learn to love yourself and, and to live in love. But part of that meant having to, to go inside and, and to do the work and, and to and to see things differently and to be fed not just materially but, but spiritually. And how all those things are important in in the work in this broader scheme. And so anyway, that's what's hitting me <laughs> right now. You know, that's that's what's really hitting me right now is how you were able to to show concretely from your own example. Um, about how the work that, that you're doing is is really on a different level. Um, and I think when people 
think about community-based violence prevention and and why it's so and why it's so important. What do you want policymakers to know? Folks who might be either in elected office right now or maybe staffers of elected office, whether it's city council or state assembly or whoever, folks who are making laws, who are making policy, who are making rule changes. What policy changes do you want to see and what do you want policymakers to know about either the work that you do or or what our community needs? So with the policies, man, I think I would just really want them to pour more into programs like this and then also come and volunteer. Come down and volunteer and see what being done with the money be. See what is going on in these families and how you're making a real difference. Because I think a lot of times when we're dealing with these policies, we're not, some of us is not dealing from, we should already feel personal about it, right? Because there's a life that's not being taken care of, or there's a life that's not getting its full potential, right? And um, a lot of times I think people don't understand that because of some factors, the conditions that they in, right? So if I'm making 100000 and you're talking about the poor people I don't have to see every day and I don't have to be around. So it's nothing for me to have a policy mm-hmm. that doesn't consist of them. You know what I'm saying? So we could get more of the policy to be about, you know, mental health, being able to have credible messages, being able to have safety, safe streets, being able to have better security, being able to have a little bit more people in the streets. And I'm not just talking about police. I'm talking about people that can make a difference, that can make sure a baby from one school can Mm -hmm. make it back Mm -hmm. home from school. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of times what happens, we tend to believe that certain areas represent the whole population, and that's not what it is. You know what I'm saying? So when we saw all these people eating at the pantry, it just let us know there's a lot of food that we need to be able to really help families in a way that's different. And I think a lot of times when we sit with these policies, we don't think some of this stuff is working. It's working. It's working. But is it working for the greater good? Mm. Or is it working for bad? You know what I'm saying? And you'll see some policies go through, but it seems like the ones that could really help are those ones get pushed back to a back burn or it's pushed back to the point of it's going to be done one time. And that's it. One of the things that was funny is when we received the money from the DA and uh, it was the $10 million for the hub when it first started, the DA walked through here and he said, man, um, I think I should have gave y'all more money, right? <laughs> and I looked at him and I laughed like, because I'm like, well, from 155th to 110th from Broadway to Fifth Avenue, yeah, we need way more than $10 million, right? Because most of that going to get spent on mental health. You get what I'm saying? We ain't even get to the food. We ain't get to the house. We ain't get to the clothes. We just talking about mental health alone is $10 million. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a lot of times, you know, with the policy, I would say, Y'all always want to work on the things around us, but y'all don't want to work with the things within us, right? Ooh, wait, so, ooh, wait, 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 wait. Say, say that again. Y'all want to work on the things around us, but not work on the things within us? Is that what you're saying? Yes, because you going to fix everything around me, but I'm not mentally right. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I told Sister Aisha this, man, this is how we met. They were talking about building gyms, and they're going to open up basketball things and different things like that. And I'm like, yo, that gym is good. But let me tell you something, blood been shed, and this is a traumatizing situation. If my cousin got killed on Monday, and y'all open up a new gym on Wednesday, and the person that shot my cousin is inside your gym, 
that's what I'm coming to do. I'm coming to shoot, though. I'm just not going to shoot what y'all got going. Like, I'm not shooting a basketball. I'm going to shoot this gun. Because mentally, I'm still messed up and hurt from what happened. Mm. So let alone is you're going to be able to move forward with that gym now because that's going to be traumatizing. Somebody got murdered in there, and now all these people witnessing that, and these are youth and adults, and they got to remember that somebody... So I'm just saying this. If we're going to deal with policies, and we're going to be people that can make a difference, let's really make a difference. Let's really work and put those policies to the things that really need it in the community. And let's stop thinking of because every time I turn around, there's a park being built that they use millions and millions of dollars to do. And I'm like, well, that park ain't nothing without people. Mm. So what do we look like building a park, building a building, putting up a statue, if it ain't going to be no people around to see it or enjoy it? You need us to be mentally right. And you know, there's two deaths. There's a mental death and there's a physical death. The physical death you can never come back from forever, eternally dead. The mental death you can come back from, but it'd be good to know I'm coming back and I got something to, to bounce off of, and that's going to help me keep maintaining my mind and the aspect I needed. That's where the therapy, the mental health, and everything need to come in at. And you'll see a lot of change when you get people in good places. It felt good to walk the street. And everybody calling me the mayor, and they calling me the president, they calling me the governor. And I'm looking at them like, I'm not even doing it when you are in my life. Mm. In my life, my kid is doing better in school. My kid get a chance to eat. My kid is um, wearing good clothes. My kid is making money. My kid is being taught what a real person is. My kid is respecting. Like, the world works good when we work for the greater good. And policy got to be on point with the lives that we save, we save it. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I'm not blaming nobody. I'm not looking at nobody because ain't nobody uh, free of sin. Nobody's exempt. But I say this. Rev always say, with God's stuff, you need to be diligent. You need to be steward. And if you're going to be a steward with God's stuff, that means you got to handle things with decency. I can take this food and give it to one person and it won't make no sense. But if I give this food to everybody that need it, it makes a lot of sense. And if that's a policy that I'm over, then that's what I'm going to do. Feed the community. I'm going to feed the body. I'm going to feed the mind. I'm going to feed the soul. Mm, that's deep. That's a word. That's a word. Well, thank you so much for joining, my brother. How can people support you and learn more about your work? If they're like, oh, that living redemption sounds really dope. How can I... How can I go learn more about it? How can I support the work that Beloved is doing? So one, we got our, our website is Living Redemption Community Development Corporation. We also got Living Redemption Youth Opportunity Hub. All you want to do is go to the website. You can go on there. If you want, you can take my number. My number is 646-912-1301. My name is Beloved. Living Redemption, man, it's a way of life. It's, it's, it's for the community. It's by the community. You know what I'm saying? And um, the main thing that we always tell people, man, is mission over money. Mission over money. All the time, every time. God's still using us. God first in us. And we always say we're located 302 West 124 8th Avenue. We're right here in the building, the Soul Saving Station for every nation. Soul Saving Station 
for every nation. We do not discriminate on helping people. If you're a person that's alive, please come to the building. We want to help. Well, thank you so much for joining my brother. Uh, I greatly uh, appreciate you. I hope that these words go far and near. And so if anybody wants more information, we will put the link in the show notes so you can check that out and get more information on the wonderful work that Beloved is doing with Living Redemption. And again, you know, I look at Beloved as a superhero. I've literally seen this brother talk to people in gunshot crisis situations and try to achieve peace and actually stop retaliations from happening. I've seen it with my own eyes and my own experience in real time and real life. So thank you, my brother, for all that you have done for the community and all that you are continuing to do. Thank you, King. I appreciate you. I just say one last thing, man. Find somebody to love. There's people that's not getting love all over the world. There's people that's not receiving love. Find somebody to love. I don't care if they are your sibling, if they not your blood, find somebody to love. And guess what? God gave me the gift to love everybody. I love you, King. And thank you for having me on your show, King. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's show. For more information about The New Hood, check us out at www.thenewhood.org. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Peace.